You are listening to a Bible-based message from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. We invite you to join us Sundays at 10 a.m. We also encourage you to visit riverrockchurch.com for more information and resources. Now here is today's encouraging message from Pastor Dan Jetto. Welcome to my home. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving week. It's my week to preach at River Rock Church, and this week I get to talk a little bit about Christmas. And Christmas has always been a special time of year for me. As a child, it brought great expectations, expectations of gifts uh, that my parents would buy, expectation of gifts that my siblings would give me, uh, purchased with my parents' money, expectations of decorating the tree and watching the lights and being mesmerized by the blinking lights. And when I was a child, you had to wait for the lights to warm up before they would start blinking. It was staying up late on Christmas Eve singing uh, Christmas carols with my family. It was staying, getting up very, very early in the morning and playing games with my siblings until we could go uh, out to the tree to unwrap our gifts. It was going to church and seeing the nativity scene and the baby Jesus laying in the straw in the manger. It was creating memories that have lasted a lifetime. Uh, now for me as as a Christian, as a as a grown man, Christmas is more than that. It's a season about meeting Jesus and renewing my relationship with him. It's about sharing who he is and why he came and how when I finally met him, how he changed my life and has changed my eternity. Which brings me to my title today. Um, what are we expecting for Christmas? And as I share today, we're going to look at a a few sets of people who were there around the time of Jesus' birth. We're going to look at Mary and Joseph. We'll look briefly at the shepherds. We'll look at the wise men, the magi who came from the east. And as we look at their lives, we'll see how we can experience great things as we look to meet Jesus this Christmas season. The expectations of Joseph and Mary, the shepherds and the wise men, when they met Jesus were all different. And each one of them, as they met Jesus, it changed them forever. Uh, and it caused their expectations to be expanded. And that brings us to our bumper sticker for today's message. It says, expect Jesus this Christmas. He is more than we could expect. We could ever expect. Expect Jesus this Christmas. He is more than we could ever expect. Now my bumper sticker is there to try to give you one thing to hold on to as I share uh, from Scripture today. So what does that mean? It means that when we start expecting to see and meet Jesus, He will change and increase our expectations, our hopes, our dreams, our joy, our desire to love others. We cannot truly meet Jesus and not come away uh, completely changed. Jesus changes our desires he desire, changes our desire to become more like Him. Now some background on uh, the Christmas story as we're coming into the Christmas story. Uh, for the Israelites, it's been 400 years since God has revealed Himself through any prophet. The Israelites in the Judean country are now under Roman Empire rule. The Roman Empire has taken over that area and the Jews are subject to the Romans. And although they, they believe someday a Messiah will come, their expectations are low. And we know this because when Jesus the Messiah does come, so very few uh, accept him as the Messiah. Now as Pastor Chris shared last week about Zechariah 
and the birth of John the Baptist, we find that God has finally revealed himself. And Zechariah, who was a priest, goes in to offer incense. And an angel, Gabriel, shows up to him and shares a message with him that he's going to bear us. His wife is going to bear a son, even though they are both too old to have children. And that he's going to be a messenger for God to prepare the way for the Messiah. And so this heightens the expectations, especially of the Jews in Jerusalem. And it is during this time of heightened expectations that Mary and Joseph are visited by angels. Mary uh, has Gabriel come to, to her. Joseph, we don't know the name of the angel. Uh, we just know that an angel came and visited him in a dream. And uh, this happens just three months before Jesus is conceived. Uh, three months that, that before Jesus is conceived, Zechariah is sharing. And now um, Joseph and Mary are seeing this angel come. We don't know if it's exactly three months for them. But it was uh, Elizabeth was in her sixth month of pregnancy when God sent an angel to Gabriel, to, to Nazareth. So in Luke 1, this is Mary's story. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, the town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a, name, a man named Joseph. And this is from Luke chapter 1, beginning of verse 26. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How would this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One born will be called the Son of God. Even, your, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word uh, to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Can you imagine the expectations of Mary after having this meeting of what it was going to be like to have her first child? And then an angel visits Joseph, and this is a, the story as written by Matthew in Matthew 1, verses 18 through 25. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she had gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So Mary was expecting Jesus in a motherly way in this very first Christmas. She was pregnant with Jesus, conceived by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, too, was now expecting Jesus. 
Now, in this time, there was no ultrasound, so they couldn't figure out what the sex of the baby was going to be. And, and they are told that Jesus was going to be a, a, a male. Their firstborn child was going to be a male. And they've been given, uh, given the name Jesus uh, because he was going to be the God who saves his people. And, th- and so he's expecting Jesus, the firstborn of his wife, a son who would save his people from their sins. Can you imagine what it would have been like the night that Jesus was born for this couple? They probably expected that they were going to be able to have a normal birth at their home with the local midwife there, somebody they knew very well, and and, and a quiet, peaceful birth, as quiet as any birth can be, because they're not peaceful or quiet. They are noisy. There's uh, screaming because uh, the, the woman experiences pain in, in the delivery. Um, but they were expecting that. And what happened is there's a census call. And so they're, they're, they have to go to, to Bethlehem uh, to have the baby. And, and while they're there, they get there and there's no place to stay. And all of a sudden, Mary, it's time. And uh, she starts to go into contractions. And, and so they find a stable. They're allowed to go into a stable, a barn, if you will, that Jesus is going to be born in. And, and maybe there's a midwife there that they don't know, or maybe there's none. Maybe it's one of the people who traveled with them who helped them. But it's not what they expected when they came there. Now, it's been 39 years since I witnessed the birth of my oldest son. I was excited, and I did not know in advance I would have a son. I just knew I, we were going to have a child. Um, every indication was that the child would be healthy. And I, but I did not expect the birth process to be so painful for my wife. And that was very difficult for me, and it added some anxiety for me because I couldn't help her with her pain. There was nothing I could do for her with that. But I was anticipating the birth of my first child, and there was a, a joy and a, and a pain at the same time. And, and uh, if I had kept silent, it probably would have been better. Uh, they put a monitor on Becky. It's like a hardness meter, and as her stomach started to get tight, it would push the button in and I could see the graph go up and I would tell her when the contraction was coming. Um, Those of you who are going to be fathers, don't do that. Um, Your wife does not want to hear when the contraction is coming. Uh, It would make a lot more peaceful birthing process. But anyway, but then our son was born and and I heard his first cry and the cry of a a healthy newborn baby, a a newborn son for me. And they have this this little kind of Wah, wah, cry and and with each of my children when when I heard that sound I was overwhelmed with joy and even today when I hear that newborn cry it triggers uh, 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 memories and emotions for me that uh, that I cannot even share with you I did not know how much joy there is in having children until I had my own and uh, I was overwhelmed with joy. And I'm sure that Mary and Joseph were overwhelmed with joy. And they shared that joy with the people who were with them, the people who had traveled with them. And then we now today experience that joy because we have the son that Mary and Joseph had born to them, who is our Savior, who is our Lord, who is the King of Kings, Emmanuel, God with us. When Joseph became engaged to Mary, they probably both expected a normal life as well, having and raising kids, but never imagining that they would be the the parents of the Messiah. How could you expect to ever be the parents of the Messiah? 
They met Jesus and he changed all their expectations. And those of you who have children know that when you have a child, it does change all your expectations. Everything in your world changes because it begins to revolve around the child, uh, a lot of it. Their whole world was expanded by God, who chose this humble, obedient couple to raise the Son of God. And on this day, they were filled with joy, a joy that nobody could ever take away. But because of what the angels told them, their expectations are now increased because they're seeing their child differently than just a normal child because their child is is the son of God. He is uh, destined for greatness that they they don't even fully understand. Mary will see Jesus do uh, many miracles, starting with the, the wedding at Cana where he changed the water to wine. We don't know what Joseph saw. But we know that he knew who Jesus was, and he chose to raise him as his son, the son of God. God raised his expectations and changed them. Now, what treasures of memories Joseph must have taken to heaven with him, blessed to be the earthly father of of Jesus. So as we meet Jesus at Christmas, and I hope that you will, remembering how he came as a baby, This Jesus who came to save his people, will we embrace him? Joseph and Mary embraced Jesus. They held him. They they raised him. They loved him. Will we look for him? Will we look for Jesus at this Christmas season? Will we walk with him as our guide in our life? Will we experience that joy he came to bring? The knowledge that he has paid the price for our sins when he died on the cross knowing he is preparing a place for us to stay with him forever so that we can be with him. Will we build memories, living and sharing Jesus with others that we can take with us to heaven? You know, throughout Jesus' early years, we keep seeing this phrase come up where Mary, it says that Mary treasured these things in her heart. When the Magi showed up, when the shepherds showed up, when Jesus was at the temple, Mary treasured these things in her heart. These are memories that she grabbed onto. And the only reason that we know these things is because Mary shared them. And she shared them with the passion that the disciples were able to hear the passion and see that she treasured these memories in her heart. We can, but we need to expect to see Jesus every day. Like Mary and Joseph, look for him and the people around us, praying for opportunities to bless others and to be blessed by Jesus himself. We will then have a lifetime of Jesus memories to take with us. So my question would be, what memories, what Jesus memories are you treasuring now? Are you sharing them with the passion so others will hear your story, your um Visit with Jesus and how he has changed your life. We can expect that he will use us to glorify his name if we expect him. Will we expect Jesus for Christmas? Expect Jesus this Christmas. He is more than we could ever expect. He is so much more than this world has to offer. Now the next group of people that we see in the story of Jesus is the shepherds. And the shepherds probably had the lowest expectations of anyone because they were considered almost worthless by their culture. Randy Alcorn, he's a Christian author, founder of Eternal Perspective Ministries, writes this in an article titled Shepherd's Status. Shepherding had not just lost its widespread appeal. It eventually forfeited its social acceptability. Some shepherds earned their poor reputations, but others became victims of of a cruel stereotype. 
The religious leaders maligned the shepherd's good name. Rabbis banned pastoring sheep and goats in Israel except on the desert plains. The Mishnah, Judaism's written record of the oral law, also reflects this prejudice, referring to shepherds in belittling terms. One passage describes him as incompetent. Another says that no one should ever feel obligated to rescue a shepherd who has fallen into a pit. Jeremiah documents the fact that shepherds were deprived of all civil rights. They could not fulfill judicial offices or be admitted in court as witnesses. He wrote, to buy wool, milk, or a kid from a shepherd was forbidden on the assumption that it was stolen property. In Jerusalem, in the time of Jesus, Jeremiah notes, the rabbis ask with amazement, how, in view of the despicable nature of shepherds, can one explain why God was called my shepherd in Psalm 23.1? Smug religious leaders maintained a strict caste system at the expense of shepherds and other common folk. Shepherds were officially labeled as sinners, a technical term for a class of despised people. Into this social context of religious snobbery and class prejudice, God's son stepped forth. How surprising and significant that Father God handpicked lowly, unpretentious shepherds to first hear the joyous news. It's a boy, and he's the Messiah. This perspective would, would have given the shepherds in the time of Jesus little of any expectations of God or of life itself. No one was going to give their daughter as a bride to a shepherd. Being a shepherd was not a resume builder for a higher occupation. They were social outcasts. But it is to this group of people in the hills outside Bethlehem that, more, that, that the angels appear and tell them to go search out and meet the Messiah, Jesus. Here's their story in Luke chapter 8. Or 2 verses 8 through 20. Luke chapter 2 verses 8 through 20. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Messiah the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those who, on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into, the, the, into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The shepherds meet Jesus. In fact, they are the first people to meet Jesus it's not the Pharisees. It's not the high priest. It's not the religious leaders. No, it's the humblest of sinners that the angels call to meet the child born to be king of kings. Their response, they are filled with wonder. They realize that even though all of society has forgotten them, God has not. Not only that, God values them so highly that he sent angels to speak to them and then he fills them first with curiosity because they want to go find this Jesus they've been told about. And then with joy that overflows from their hearts, 
that they tell everyone about what they have seen and heard. Can you imagine these shepherds now for the rest of their lives? Gazing at the heavens each night as they're watching their sheep, remembering that one night, wondering will the angels come again, expecting more from God. They have seen and experienced the one true God as a baby, and now hearts that were once filled with discouragement and despair are filled with praise for God and hope for eternity. Even though their earthly circumstances remained unchanged, they were forever changed. When we meet Jesus, when we truly meet him, we will be eternally changed. Even if our circumstances seem hopeless, our eternity and hearts can be filled with awe and with great joy and with praise and with hope. Is this what we expect this Christmas? In the midst of a pandemic where some of us have lost our jobs, where there are people who have lost loved ones, uh, where everything seems to be shut down and it feels like we are trapped, can we find Jesus the one who promises us a kingdom filled with riches and joy that the world can never take from us. You see, Jesus has not forgotten us, but will we forget him this Christmas or will we expect him? When we meet Jesus, we can expect he will forever change our perspective and we leave us looking for him again. Will we expect Jesus for Christmas? If we will, Jesus will forever change us for the better. Expect Jesus this Christmas. He is more than we could ever expect. He is so much more uh, than the world has to offer us. Now the last group to meet Jesus are the wise men from the East. They have been following a star and expect to find a male child born to be a king so they show up at Herod's palace. Of course, that's where kings are born. They're born in the palaces. But Jesus was not born in Jerusalem. He was not born in Herod's palace. He was born in a barn. And so they ask, you know, well, where was the child supposed to be? Herod sends off for the religious leaders. And they tell the wise men and, and Herod that he was to be born in Bethlehem. That's where the Messiah was to be born. And uh, the, the uh, Magi call him the king of the Jews. And this is a term that we don't see again in Scripture, at least I don't remember seeing it any place other than here and then at his trial. And so uh, they leave there uh, to go find Jesus. And here's the story. Um, and and with probably what has happened is Jesus has moved from the barn to a house because we hear in the story that Jesus is now living in a house. The, Joseph's probably set up shop in Bethlehem, someplace in near Bethlehem to raise the child. I found work there, uh, kind of set up shop until Jesus is maybe old enough to travel. Uh, he may have been as old as two years old when the Magi show up. We don't know for sure. Uh, that's based on when Herod went and uh, killed all of the children in Jerusalem and, and Bethlehem. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, the, the Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born the king of the Jews? We saw a star and when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. 
When he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them, Where is the Messiah to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Their Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go, search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed on coming into the house. They saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. See, God had somehow spoken to these magi through the stars that they watched. And they came expecting to worship this king of the Jews. They came with the preset expectations. And these changed with the information that they received from the religious scholars And so they set off to meet Jesus in Jerusalem. What I find interesting in all of this is that they went alone. The religious leaders were not interested in finding or meeting the the Messiah, but the the Magi were. The Magi left alone. And as they come upon Jesus' house, the star that has been guiding them stops there, and they know that they found the home of Jesus, and they are overjoyed. They found what they were looking for. They found Jesus and they worshipped him. They bowed down and worshipped him. They too were changed. And God sent them safely home on a different route from which they came. When we expect to find Jesus, our response too will be overwhelming joy when we find him. We desire we will we, we will desire nothing more than to worship him, to give him gifts out of our great joy. His joy will fill our lives. Worship will be a natural outcoming of this, and and it will not be forced. It will just flow from us as we are filled overwhelmingly with joy and awe of our Savior. The path for our lives will be changed forever. We will follow His way and not our own. We will want to give back to Him because of all He has given us. We can expect new hearts full of worship for the one true king. Will we expect Jesus for Christmas? If we will, God will give us a heart to worship as never before as we meet with him. Expect Jesus this Christmas. He is more than we could ever expect. He is worth so much more than this world has to offer. Because Jesus is more than we could ever expect, because he has more to offer than we could ever expect, because he is worth more than we could ever expect. If we will meet Jesus this Christmas, we can expect joy. All the people described experience immeasurable joy as they meet Jesus. We can expect our outlook on life will be changed. Jesus will give us new priorities, new hopes, new dreams, dreams that are aligned with his will, not with ours. Psalm 34 says that when we delight ourselves in the Lord, he will give us the desires of the heart. He will change our hearts so our desires match his. 
we can expect hearts that will willingly worship, that will live and give Jesus to back to Jesus as he is worthy of all that we have and all that we are. Let's expect Jesus this Christmas. He is more than we could ever expect. Merry Christmas to all of you. God bless. From high above us, God sees. From far beyond us, God hears. From his eternal distant home, God loves. He sees all people in all places. And it's easy for us to imagine that he does so from this perspective. High, beyond, distant. But then, Christmas. It appears without earthly fanfare or celebration. The cry of this child screams that the same God who is above and beyond and distant has not only come close to us, but that he's indeed with us. So what if the name Emmanuel means what it means? Today, now, with us, the manger proclaims that the very presence of God is now present with us. In the mundane, in the uncertainty, in the mystery that lies beyond our understanding or explanation, God himself is with us in our joy and our happiness. He's with us in our sadness and our brokenness. He celebrates in the light with us, and he holds us in the dark with faithful and secure arms. What if the name Emmanuel means what it means? Christmas not only begs that we ask that question, but also provides the answer that our hearts have been longing for all along. Can this possibly be? Yes, it can. And it is God with us. Emmanuel. And he's closer than our wildest dreams can ever imagine. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. You've been listening to a message from River Rock Church. River Rock Church exists to help people of all ages connect to Christ and live well lives. W stands for worshiping, E for encouraging, L for learning, and L for loving. God wants you to be well. Visit riverrockchurch.com for our latest news and to access resources to help you and the people you care about live well lives.